Hello, this is Dr. Shiva. Welcome to our podcast, Get Educated or Be Enslaved. Episode 745, air date August 30th, 2020. So, 
So, um, you know, he's, and you know, from there, he went to do so many other incredible things in his life and you get to know him, right? He uh, got four degrees at MIT, right? Including his PhD in biological engineering. He's uh, invented, right, and created seven successful businesses. Um, you know, but I think what we all love the most about Dr. Shiva is the fact that he is an incredible teacher and he can take complex systems and break them down for everyone to understand. So um, I am just so appreciative of Dr. Shiva and everything that he's doing for our community, you know, Massachusetts, for the state, for the world. Um, it really is incredible seeing the people that are, are coming and supporting his cause and um, I've never been involved in politics, but I'm pretty sure there um, aren't people all over the state, all over the world, you know, sending prayers to another person running for a political office and just really believing in this movement. And um, when I met him, I'm, you know, a, a girl who likes to do visions. And I still remember the first time I met him, I, I did a vision card of, you know, Dr. Siva being the next U.S. Senator, right? And doing this whole underground movement, grassroots movement. And so um, I'm just, you know, I'm so excited to be here. I'm excited for him to be the next, you know, U.S. Senator in Massachusetts. And um, thank you, everyone, for what you're doing and being a part of this, right? Um, we need action, right? We're, we're getting close to the, the finish line over the next few days. But um, reach out to more friends, right? share this message and why you're doing this and why you're standing up and being a leader yourself. And, um, you know, and... Another goal that I have for Dr. Shiva is really for him to be recognized, right, and this, to make this a holiday, right, for the invention of email. Can you imagine not having email today for our businesses, right, for our country? And um, there's this, right, he gets the day off, right? He doesn't take a day off. He truly, you know, works so hard, and I've, I've never seen a human being work the way Dr. Shiva does. So, um, you know, Make sure, you know, when you're using email, you think of Dr. Shiva and thank him. Oh, maybe don't get angry at him sometimes the inbox you know, out of control. But, um, you know, I am excited to, you know, bring to the stage Dr. Shiva Ayaduri and the 14-year-old boy, right, who invented the first email system. As you can see, Jen's also about to have a child. Okay? And in the midst of that, Jen's working for this campaign and she works tirelessly. I'm talking about from 7 a.m. until midnight, I call her any time. And she exemplifies the kind of people that have joined this campaign. Typically, the typical person who joins our campaign hates politics. They never wanted to be involved. They've never put up a lawn sign. They've never put on a t-shirt. They've never put on a bumper sticker. They're not the political hacks. And that's what's powerful about this campaign. And I want to talk about the room full of people here and what you exemplify. It's a very, very truly diverse group that's in this room because where we are in Great Barrington in Western Mass exemplifies people like Jen. It's people who support the Second Amendment and support health, right? And support truth. It's not like separate that's been occurring before, right? In this country, what they've done is, oh, if you support the Second Amendment, you must be a racist. And if you support health, you must be some you know, new age bluesy. And then if you support, you know, innovation, you must be some nerd. What we've intersected with this campaign is connect all those three, truth, freedom, and health. And that's what's powerful about this campaign because it's truly about the diversity of the country was built on. If you look at the founders of this country, they were all of them together. Washington was an innovator, he, he knew science, 
you know, he fought for freedom, and, you know, he was a farmer, clearly, into health and agriculture. And that, and you go look at Jefferson, and you go look at Franklin, these people intersected through freedom and health. But I want to really appreciate Jen, but I want to, um, thanks Jen. But what I want to share about is today is the anniversary of the invention of email. And I never wanted credit for it until people started trying to deny that truth. Right? And Wikipedia is one of the most racist organizations, and no one should be funding them. We will be suing them, because when you call someone like me a conspiracy theorist, which is, by the way, what they started calling people who questioned John F. Kennedy's death, they have people who go, and they've locked my page. They considered one of the most controversial pages. Right? But it's a, it's a good thing, because it shows that what we are at in this country right now is a war against truth, freedom, and health by the forces of power, profit, and control. That's where we're at right now. And what's wonderful about, I was just talking to Mr. Dorn, okay? <laughs> I call him Mr. Dorn, okay? I respect yeah, the short guy. Yeah, but uh, first of all, I want to thank his family, Christy, for hosting this. And Mr. Thorne, you know, and his family are undergoing what also exemplifies the struggle of many hardworking American people. He built this place around 30, 37 years ago by, with his own bare hands. Think about that, this entire place. That is the American spirit that he exemplifies. And today, because of Charlie Baker and the Democrats, very ridiculous lockdowns, none of it was needed to occur. It's people like him that suffer. I mean, actually suffer materially. Charlie Baker doesn't suffer. He's, he's never really had a job. He went from Harvard and became the head of Harvard Pilgrim Healthcare. Joe Kennedy doesn't suffer. These people never suffer. And Markey doesn't suffer. And neither does any of these people that ever participate in politics. These people are not one of us. They're not one of us. And that's what we have to realize. They're not, you know, Christy who tries to run a holistic practice, right? They're not Jen who runs her business. They're not you who do your construction work. They're not me who created seven companies. And they're surely not people like everyone here who drove up from, we have a couple of people who drove from New Jersey, right? And surely not, you know, people right here who support the president, right? I'm sure all of us support the president. And what they've done in this country, and what I, what I think is very powerful about Western Mass is they try to say this is just where the liberals are, but it's more than that. Uh, Mr. Thorne reminded me, this is a place where AC power was pioneered, right? I don't know if you know, there was a, a big war between Tesla, Nikolai Tesla, who believed you needed alternating current, and Edison, who was supported by big powers who wanted to support direct current, right? Yeah, so anyway, fortunately, AC Current did win, but this was the place that Great Barrington, I'm just reading up on this, where AC power and electricity were pioneered in communities for infrastructure. You guys know that? This is where it was first, they proved it out in, in public use here. So this is, a, this is where electricity was pioneered, and you're looking at the guy who created the first email system. It wasn't done at MIT, it was done before I came to MIT in a small medical college in Newark, New Jersey. And that story of the invention of email is our story. It's a story that innovation can occur anytime, any place, by anybody. And, and the denial of that story is a denial of what it means to be American. And that's why, you know, when I, you know, I came from India, as Jen may have shared with you, you know, when I was a seven-year-old kid, and if you look at my life's trajectory, in many ways it matches the people in this room. I grew up among, um, my great grandfather was a, was a, a farmer. I mean, he used to work his buns off. You know, I remember him 
pounding rice you know, at the age of 93, working in the field, ripped, muscular. He died when he was over 100, but he worked. He, he was taken as an indentured slave to Burma when he was a 12-year-old kid. Indentured servant. He, he made his, he, you know, he did well there. World War II came. He came back to India, back to that small village. My grandmother was a village shaman. She was a healer, but she did not do that for money. She worked 16 hours days in the field. But on the weekends, she would, people would line up. She would, you know, give them the right medicine for the right person at the right time. So I grew up around hardworking people. I grew up around people who revered God, who channeled spirits, okay? Which may seem, you know, weird for a lot of people, very new agey. But I grew up around very practical people who were salt of the earth, who had to figure out how to survive and live very practically. And then I grew up in a caste system where we were considered untouchable. And I grew up around fierce people who were warriors who would defend their right to freedom. That's who my, you know, uh, in India in, in the 1940s, there were two opposing parties. Gandhi, who was saying, beat me up, I'll take it, you know, nonviolent. And he was essentially an agent of the British, if you actually look at what Gandhi was, okay? That's what he was. He was an agent of the British. The, Brit the, the Indian people in India, in 1920s wanted to have a good revolution like America had and kick out the British. Gandhi was parachuted in to say, yeah, no, no, he came up with this ridiculous philosophy, beat me up. No, that's inhuman. And he was used, it's abusive, right? And he was used to transfer power from white men with crowns to brown men with white hats. And for 70 years, India had massive corruption. Gandhi was not a nice guy, but he was promoted as a great man. Good words, blah, blah, blah. That's how they do it. It's Hollywood. Lip service. Lip service. What's that? He may have been used, but willingly used. Okay? But at the end of the day, they were trying to shove down people, brainwash people, that it's okay to be beat up. That's not how things work. So finally, you know, India, like Trump, got Modi. Modi came from bottoms up, and that's why people don't like him. So he's like the Trump of India, the current Prime Minister of India. So. The reason I bring that up is that you have to fight. I grew up with a family that revered God, that revered the earth, where things came from, and they revered, revered uh, real medicine, food was medicine, so it's an interesting group, and that's what we have in Western Mass. You, you have people, you know, we're Trumpers. You have people into New Age healing, right? You have, you know, you know, food is medicine. But they try to separate this, you know what I'm saying? If you're a Trumper, you must not be into health. And if you're into health, you must not be into the Second Amendment. But the truth is, if you really look at all of us, we actually want all of that. And they create this artificial left versus right. Quote, unquote, left and right. It's artificially created. Washington, the founder of, you know, the father of this country was against separation. What has happened is a Democratic Party establishment and the Republican Party establishment, by the way, who both did not like Trump. Both of them. Let's remind all these people are now behind him. Lindsey Graham, Ted Cruz, they were all bad-mouthing him. He wasn't on the take. He wasn't, he wasn't on the take, but Trump was not left or right. He was Trump. He was part of the Reform Party before he came in. The Ross Perot. So we got to remember that. Let's not get caught in the hype. This country was not built on left or right. It was built on the working people. Working people. Farmers. People who worked. Like Mr. Thorne. Who built stuff. Who took risks. Not people who are on the dole. That's not what it was built on. It was built on legal immigrants who came in. And, and America has always been very, very compassionate. It has let refugees in. 
by people who try to say this country is racist, that Trump is racist, they're the racist. If you actually look at it, they're the racist. And I'll tell you my personal experience right here in Great Barrington. Richard remembers as we came here when I was running against Elizabeth Warren, we had a beautiful slogan which said only the real Indian can defeat the fake Indian. Okay? Now, it's a great slogan because it, first of all, it's a great ad slogan, right? And we had a picture of me and Elizabeth Warren in her headdress. And what we were pointing out was that she was a racist that she was out of integrity. There is racism. The GOP establishment doesn't want to talk about racism, so they leave a beautiful vacuum for the Democratic establishment to own racism. And their definition of racism is, don't use the N-word, be politically correct, and then you know, support affirmative action, which really pit poor blacks against poor whites. And if you're those two things, you're not a racist. That's not, that's, those, that's just, Calling someone names, which I was called up growing in New Jersey, I, you know, I never considered that racist. That was just ignorance. It takes people to sort of understand people, right, when they come from other countries, all right? But the real racists are people like Elizabeth Warren. The real racists were, are not the white working class, are the multiracial liberal aristocracy who lives in the neighborhoods of Cambridge on Brattle Street. Those are the real racists because they use race. So let me clarify the definition of real racism, because we need to actually say, yes, there is racism, and we need to call out the real racist. There is racism, and that racism is using race for your own political and economic advancement. Charlie Baker is a racist. Barack Obama is a racist. Joe Biden. Joe Biden is a racist. Barack Obama did not do anything for his own people. What did he do in 2008? He gave bailouts. That's what he did. When those big banks, he didn't help his own quote-unquote own people in Chicago. Hillary Clinton is a racist. Let's, there, and Elizabeth Warren is a racist. Markey and Kennedy, all of these people are racist. Yes. Donald Trump is not a racist. I was at his rally, you can see it. Everyone was cheering us on. Okay? The American working class has never been racist. It has been the elites who have been racist. Because they want to divide black and white into left and right so we never unite. I'll say that again. They want to divide black and white into left and right so we never unite and point our guns, you know, literally and figuratively at them. Divide and we fall. United divide. And that's what they do. This is engineered. This is engineered and it's engineered against working people like Mr. Florin and other people. So they, the elites, can have their hypocritical lives, right? So they can live over here, and they can have their private security, and the thugs over here can have weapons. We will, our guns should be taken away, and we should be divided from the police. This is well architected. Meanwhile, they will do lockdowns. They have, in the last six months, transferred, there's been the biggest transfer of wealth in this country. 600 people, billionaires, increased their wealth by $2.3 trillion. The Amazons, the Facebooks, while all of us were locked down, while 38 million Americans were unemployed, and they, they're basically what they're trying to do now is to give us subsidies yeah. to quiet us down. It's not about helping us, it's to create a mass of people who will live under this fascism. That's what it's about. So 2020 is going to be the turning point in this country. Mr. Thorne has used the word, I'm afraid, right? Multiple mm -hmm. times. Everyone should be afraid. And if you're not afraid, then you've lost your instincts. You've become a robot. If you're afraid, it means so you're still a human being. 
Because if you're not afraid, you've lost your instincts. Okay? Animals have instincts. You know, this morning I was walking the dog, the bear saw us, the dog saw them, everyone got a little afraid. That's a good thing. You should have fear in you. That's when you perform well. But when you don't perform, when you don't have that fear, you start wearing these masks, you start doing social distancing, you're ready to get force vaccinated, that's when it's game, set, match, it's over. So what's really profound here in Western Mass, which by the way, most politicians do not come to, we're doing this tour, we've been here multiple times. The last time I came here was when Warren was running in 2018, and we went to a theater. What's that name of that theater here? And uh, Warren was doing her token thing with a black woman called Whoopi Goldberg. That's what they do, right? They hang out with black people, take pictures of them to show that they're not racist. That's what they do. Right. They just take pictures, okay? So so we had we went there because we saw these sincere people going in there. We said, look, let's have a discussion about racism. We invited people. In fact, two young people came. Eventually, this one guy who's wearing a shirt that says liberal did not like what I was saying because I was calling out porn as a racist. He comes and punches a megaphone. It's, it's a quite an extraordinary picture because you see him punching, and it's a beautiful picture because he's got the word liberal hitting a dark Canadian guy, calling me a racist. Okay, it is like a, it should go. It should. I think it should be a beautiful artist. An artist should convert this and probably be very valuable. It's an artistic piece. You can't make this stuff up. The police took him away. And then Warren invited him back into the theater, as a, into the VIP area, okay? We didn't let it go, we filed criminal charges. I think they gave him nine months jail and then probation. And then, and when we went to the court, you know who showed up? He invited all of his friends to be ready to witness for him. And his claim to not being a racist is he is an artist, an artiste. He had black grandchildren. Huh? He had black grandchildren. Yeah, he, he, said, he said, I had black grandchildren. Boom, okay, I'm not a racist then, right? And Richard, what did he do for a living? Oh, um, he takes pictures of um, Barbie naked, dolls. naked Barbie dolls. He does take, takes pictures of naked black and white Barbie dolls. And that's, so that's what these guys do. First of all, he's probably not a good artist. He can't probably draw. Okay? What's that? Yeah, so what I'm trying to say is that's what, so the level of hypocrisy of these people was quite profound. They're, they have no common sense, they're not connected to the earth, they're not connected to actually making a, uh, an honest living. They live somewhere doing pictures of naked Barbie dolls, okay? And wearing liberal shirts, punching an Indian guy who has fought racism my entire life. You see what I'm saying? That's how twisted this is. And when you look at this, this, the fact that on August 30th, 1982, I received the first copyright for the invention of the canal, they, they have to deny this. And this story is important because when I was a 14-year-old kid, I worked my butt off. I mean, I worked hard. By the time, time I was 14, I got, I finished up calculus in the ninth grade. Okay? This was unheard of. And I moved into one of the well, in that year, my parents moved to Livingston High School. You guys probably know where Livingston is, right? My parents were in Patterson, and then we went to, which is primarily all African American, and then they moved to Clifton, which was all white working class, and then Persephone. And then the last three years, we moved to Livingston because they had the better school system. My parents kept moving. <clears throat> you didn't have school choice in those days, okay? And in Livingston, I was one of 4,000 kids predominantly a lot of, you know, uh, 
uh, very wealthy Jewish family, and we were the outsiders coming in. And it's hard for them to accept that there was someone else to do well in school, right? Good people. But we did. And when I got the opportunity to go to NYU at the age of 14, and then I got an opportunity to start working full-time in Rutgers Medical School as a scientist, as a 14-year-old. I was given a job as a research fellow, unheard of, by who? Everyday people who saw me, people 30, 40, 50 years older than me, they said, wow, this kid is smart. That would never have occurred in any other country, ever. So in, in the center of Newark, New Jersey, where everyone's afraid to go to still, my, my high school changed the rules, public school teachers fought for me, so I could travel there and I worked, you know, 16, 18 hours, two in the morning. I converted the entire inner office mail system. Some of you may, if you were a secretary, remember the old inner office mail system? For the secretary, the inbox, the outbox, the big file folders, the drafts. Do you remember this? She used to have a typewriter. For those people under the age of 40, may, may not, there was a thing called a typewriter. We'd write a thing called a memo, which had a very particular structure to, from, subject, may want to pan, to, from, subject, all right, carbon paper, where you would actually write carbon copy. So when, this was called a memo. And you did, um, you sent it out, you had registered mail. This was how all offices in the world ran, right? It was the inner office mail system. You, you had the landline, and that was how collaboration took place long before social media. I was asked to convert that entire system. Now, those old mainframes, you could send simple, you know, like telegram text messages. That's not what I'm calling about that I invented. The, I, I, I'm not claiming I invented electronic messaging. That goes back to Samuel Morris sending messages between electric and electronic devices. But I was asked to convert that entire system into the electronic. And who are my customers? These secretaries. Women who became very close friends of mine. They said, Shiva, we're not going to move from this paper-based thing to the electronic thing until I have all those features. So they became the people I had to serve, hard-working women. They were my inspiration. I converted that entire system, 50,000 lines of software code, as a 14-year-old, named that system email, a term never used before in the English language. Why did I call it email? It wasn't obvious, because the operating system only allowed five characters. Okay? <laughs> it, it, it wasn't an obvious term. When I first saw it, I said, it's weird. I call it email was a weird term. I still remember. And then I went to MIT in that 81. I was a freshman. They highlighted my invention on the front page. So obviously it was something of significance. And the president of MIT, when I met him that winter, he said, Shiva, you should copyright this because it's the only way to protect inventions because the copyright office, um, you have the thinking engine, the copyright office was not uh, the, the United States Supreme Court was not recognizing patents because they didn't understand what software was because they saw people writing some code. You see what I'm saying? It was so new in 1978. But in 1980, the Computer Software Act was established, which allowed you to use copyright law to protect software inventions. Now, I didn't know about this. My parents weren't lawyers. But in 81, Dr. Gray was the president of MIT, who was science advisor to Reagan, he said, Shiva, you should copyright. He gave me that little little piece of information. So I have to write away to the copyright office. There's no internet, no PDFs, right? They send you back. You pay your 10 bucks. I filled it out, not a lawyer. I had to send in all my code. They went back and forth. And on August 30th, right here, on August 30th, 
1982, a young 17-year-old American boy gets issued the first U.S. copyright for email. Recognizing me officially as the inventor of email. I wrote the code, called it email, and I have the copyright. Is there any controversy? No. Is there any controversy? No. Let's ask you right here. Is there any controversy? I wrote the code, I, I called it the name, and I have the copyright, okay? So, there's no controversy. Now, I forgot about it because my parents didn't teach us. Working people were not taught to be promoters, right? We're not taught to be limelight-seeking people. Forgot about it. 33 years later, in 2011, my dear mom is dying of a horrible disease called pulmonary fibrosis. In a suitcase, she had saved all of this. The senior editor of Time Magazine, who a friend of mine, he saw this, he goes, you did, you invented email, how come you didn't promote it? I said, David, I'm doing other stuff, okay? <laughs> I mean, I was doing other stuff. I was on the front page of MIT for inventing many other things. I was integrating Eastern and Western medicine. I was trying to model the disease on the computers. I wasn't doing other stuff. You know, you move on. Yeah. Anyway, David had the senior editor of Time Magazine look at this, and he wrote an article, you can look at it in November 2011, called The Man Who Invented Email. First time that news came out to the world. And then, then it went into the Smithsonian, right? The Smithsonian wanted all my materials. On February 16, 2012, the Smithsonian honored me. All the materials went into the Smithsonian. Now you would think on that day, it should have been an occasion for celebration. It is the epitome of the American dream, is it not? A guy coming from an untouchable in India, coming here in Newark, New Jersey, right? But what happens, a young reporter writes a beautiful article called Dr. Shiva Iadre, uh, you know, honored as the inventor of email by the Smithsonian. That instant, what happens? That's when the real racists come out, the liberal academics. They could not stand the fact that email was invented before MIT, before their grand institution, that it was done in working class neighborhoods of Newark. So they called me a fraud. You can read it. All these horrible names, Gawker Media, yeah. Do you remember them? Horrible, three defamatory articles. I was teaching the most popular class at MIT at the time for nothing, not like Elizabeth Warren. I was running my business because I wanted to educate kids. As Jen says, I was teaching the class. Not one professor at MIT defended me. Finally, Noam Chomsky did. You may know who Chomsky is. <laughs> professor Chomsky, he looked at it and he wrote an article and said, wow, email was invented by a 14-year-old boy. It's black and white. Black and white. So what happens? For four years, I'm trying to find lawyers to sue Gawker Media. People make jokes, ha, 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 You're, you, this is Al Gore. No, I actually did invent email. He's yeah. a fool, okay? <laughs> I actually did invent it, okay? So what do you see happening? Finally, I found a lawyer who had just sued Gawker Media on behalf of Hulk Hogan, okay? Because Gawker Media was clickbaiting. They would put all sorts of trashy news out just to get a click. That's how they make ad revenue. Well, they put out a sex video of Hulk Hogan. He sued. He had just won. And it was under appeal. Charles Harder, who's now the president's personal lawyer, he wasn't at that time, looked at my case. He goes, oh, my God, you invented email. He sued on contingency. Lawyers don't do that. Most of them should change the thing, right? Charles did a noble thing. He sued. Not only did we, the day I sued, Gawker went bankrupt. They said we're claiming bankruptcy. We sued for $35 million. They did go bankrupt. And I was appointed, this is why there, I believe there's a God, as a chairman of the bankruptcy committee to sell Gawker to Univision. I got about a million dollar settlement, and they were forced to remove those three defamatory articles. Now, the news doesn't cover this. Wikipedia doesn't even talk about this. 
They call me a conspiracy theorist. Raytheon, which is a company that had purposely put a fake inventor, a guy who looked like a nerd who did simple text, he didn't even do that. So Wikipedia must be destroyed, okay? They write fake history. They're historical fiction, run by a guy who's done all Jimmy Wales, you can go read about him. So we are going to go after them. But my point is that the invention of email today, and you know, stories like Mr. Thorne and everyone here, the truth is there are people who work their butts off. I work my butt off. You worked your butt off. My grandfather did. Everyone here did. Those are the people we must honor. We've got to stop giving one ounce of credit to people like the Kennedys. They rape, they murder, and they're deceitful. And they always try to take credit. They do these causes. Robert Kennedy Jr. is a complete fraud. He supported Hillary Clinton three times, endorsed her, who's vaccine queen. And yet, people think he's against vaccines. He openly says, I'm pro-vaccine, I'm emphatically pro-vaccine, and he's for vaccine safety. Bullshit. There's nothing called... And they all hung out at Pedo Island with Epstein, okay? And now, you know, but they do stuff for optics. So he goes where there's a million people, right? We did our rally yesterday. We started this tour in the Boston Common. We called last week on Saturday. We said no forced vaccinations. 200 people showed up like that. Because they know with me they have a real fighter. They're figuring out these Kennedys are full of shit. That's what they're figuring. Excuse my language, but we got to speak the truth here. Okay? That's what they are. John F. Kennedy is the one who signed the 1962 Vaccination Act. Then his brother Ted Kennedy in 86, instead of getting rid of that, him and Markey were co-sponsors of a bill which didn't eliminate that act, which basically created the CDC guidelines to start force vaccinating all of us. His people were getting injured. In 1986, what does Ted Kennedy do? Who, by the way, if we did what he had done, we'd all be in jail. Okay, right? What did he do? He creates the National Vaccine Injury Program, and that made sure that none of us could sue pharma companies. None of us could sue pharma companies. That's what the Kennedys did. They protected their legacy. And then you have this fool, Robert Kennedy, running around, who was heroin addict, okay? They found him somewhere to start doing nonprofit work to protect their brand. Okay, run water keepers. Now do this vaccine thing, 5G. I'm telling you, these guys who live out in Malibu and Hollywood, I know them, I used to live out there, okay? I figured them out. Everything they do that claims we're helping black people, we're helping cancer, we're fighting this. Everything that comes out of their mouth may sound good, but it's bullshit. It's about building their brand. That's why the, the Cancer Foundation is a billion dollar foundation. Breast cancer, we haven't solved cancer. Susan Coleman's done quite well. The Lung Foundation, another scam. The Children's Defense Fund, another scam. Robert Kennedy wants $30,000 if he's your anti-institutionalized anti-vaxxer. You see what I'm saying? They build that, they're the not so obvious establishment. So we gotta start selecting our leaders correctly. Where do they come from? Are they like Mr. Thorne, who works bottoms up? Are they like us? Why are we electing any more Kennedys, or Markeys, or anyone like Charlie Baker? They're not one of us. They're not one of us. We gotta get smart. We gotta stop complaining when we elect the wrong leader. We gotta start electing people who come bottoms up. What did you look at their You know why? Because you make your money by prolonging problems. You look for a problem and you stretch it out, cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-ching. And they all stick together, these lawyers. Right? If one lawyer screws you, 
another lawyer is going to screw you again. And it's the only organization, lawyers, it's the only lawyer organizations that are not regulated. The ADA is not regulated, but they want to regulate all of us. That's what they do. John, what's the matter? Everything all right? I was just, or, or, like, they, they, they had asked me to remind me. Okay. Yes. Dude, you have to get going soon? So let's say goodbye to, before I go. They're going to the Trump boat parade, right? Oh, yeah. We want to thank you for coming. And, and um, they're going to be carrying our banners out there, right? Okay. So they're going to be a representative at the wow. boat parade. So thank you. Film the whole thing. Film the whole thing and send it. But yeah, we wish you well. Thank you. Thanks for coming. Yeah, you have my yes. number. So send it to me. Send it to me. Yeah. Yes. I text you. Yeah, so thank you, but safe travels. Okay. But what I want to finish up with is that September 1, we have the Republican primary. And to, to wrap this up, one of the most important things we need to remember is the establishment, the way they do the electoral process, the way they do the electoral process is to rig it. They do not want us voting in the primaries because the primaries are like the playoffs and then you have the championships. So they make sure they only get out their people. They don't even tell anyone about the primaries, okay? But the reason we're doing this tour is for innovation, it's against forced vaccination, but it's to make people aware. We gotta go bottoms up, we gotta vote in the primaries. So everyone here, tell not only should you vote in the September 1st primary, but you should tell 100 of your other friends. And we got basically about 48 hours, right? 72? September 1? 48 to 72 hours. You got to get people in those primaries because finally you have somebody who's one of us. If you would never had one of us. Charlie Baker and the establishment always finds one of them to lose to his Democrat friends. That's why there's never been, until Ed Brooks many years ago, a senator, real senator, who represent us. They have a power sharing agreement. The governorship is owned by the Republican establishment and the Democrat senatorial ship is owned by the Democrat establishment. What we're doing is revolutionary. I'm telling you, we are revolutionaries. We're the American revolutionaries right here. And it scares the hell out of them. And they should have the fear of God in that. Because they haven't had it. They sit with a lot of hubris, which means they think they know it all, they think they're the gods, they think they're the kings. And that ended in 1776. So, but it, it, it never fully ended, because they've always been there. They don't want to give us the First Amendment and the Second Amendment. That's why they have big tech censorship. So if you go to our website, we have a solution for that called the Digital Rights Act, where we empower back the spirit of the Postal Service to give us platforms for digital communication. Then they bought out all the scientists. We have fake science. You pay them enough, they'll make up data. So, so yeah, and Fauci. So let's talk about Fauci. Here's the guy who's been in there for 40 years. He, he created the HIV AIDS bullshit, okay? HIV doesn't cause AIDS. Challenge any scientist out there. Show me the data. It does not fit Koch's hypothesis. There was a guy called Robert Gallo who first created, he was a theory, a sphere that germs, 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 germs. Well, it's not that. We have about 440 trillion germs in us, 380 trillion viruses, and about 60 trillion bacteria right now in our body. Everyone here is a walking germ factory. And we need them. And we're supposed to have them. Because that's how we strengthen ourselves. That's how the system learns. If you study systems, we're supposed to create resilient systems. I'm sure when Mr. Thorne built this home, he gave it a little bit of bend. If you created it stiff, it would crack. When they built skyscrapers, it's called resilience. 
We're supposed to be able to take a little bit of stress and bounce back. That's a strong immune system. And the way you get that strong immune system is boosting community by building community. Okay? Thank you. Be well. Okay? Have a great day. career for many years and to your email. Thank you. Be well. So, so, so how, do we, how do we get science back on track? We have the Citizen Science Act. When we fund public research, that data is our data. It should be published online. We should be able to access it. I want to go look at the data. Where's all this climate? Where should prove to me CO2 is a pollutant, right? So they make up stuff because these scientists, I know them. They have no spine, 99% of them. They're not courageous people. They've all been bought. And the fake news behind fake news is fake science. And the good news is I got that MIT PhD behind me. I got their degrees. I got all their awards. So they have a big problem. They got a big problem. The only thing they can do is call up their racist friends at Wikipedia and try to say, oh, call them a conspiracy theorist. Okay? Well, it's going to be very hard to defend that. We're actually going to make conspiracy theory a good, good term. You're basically making it a term, right? Okay? Basically, if you, if you get a conspiracy theory label, you're, you're basically telling the truth. Thank you, Wikipedia. Okay? And then finally, the Health Rights Act, which I know is very dear to everyone out in Western Mass. How do we get to real health? People in Western Mass, unfortunately, a lot of the liberals who hate the president, they've actually been brainwashed. Because if they actually step back and they realize that Elizabeth Warren actually voted for the Monsanto Protection Act, okay? The Green New Deal has nothing to do with protecting the environment. It supports the Paris Accords, which actually allows China to double their pollution. Yeah. Go read it. These Foolish people don't read it. It says that China today pollutes 11 billion metric tons of carbon. They're allowed by the Paris Accord, listen to this, to go to 22 billion metric tons of carbon. They're allowed to do that. Why? Because by 2030, after they reach that high level of pollution, they'll have to buy carbon credits, which are a, uh, a financial instrument created by Al Gore and his buddies. So. What is going to happen? They're trading that on the stock market. It's going to escalate because there's only a limited amount of carbon trillionaires. So it has nothing to do with lowering pollution. Ask any of these liberals who hate Trump. Tell me one benefit of the Paris Accords, why it is beneficial to allow China to double their pollution. Ask them that. And they won't be able to explain it to you. But I'm giving you some weapons. But when it comes to health, just like that, that's a scientific fact, right? When it comes to health, ask all of these people, what does modern biology teach us? Modern biology teaches us the right medicine for the right person at the right time. Everyone's genetics and epigenetics is different. And telling people two lies, first of all, that it's the viruses and the pathogens that attack us is a lie. And attack us and kill us. Like they go eat our tissues. The truth is, if you have a weakened and dysfunctional immune system, your own body attacks itself. Everyone got that? Yes. This is basic immune system. But if your body is in good condition, it knows how to modulate itself, like having good shock absorbers on your car, a virus comes, it takes it, it, it it's resilient. And how do you do that? The sun, vitamin D3, friendships, boost immunity, they literally do. Number one is friendships, fellowship, not social distancing. Zinc, the vitamin C, and the IV, I and mean, there's others, but these are the basics. We got to build community and boost community. But in closing, we sh must not comply with them. We have to fight. 
We have no choice but to fight. No more compliance. No more compliance. And, and second, we got to watch the fake misleaders. The fake misleaders, because they see movements growing. The politicians go through and, ooh, no forced vaccinations. I think I'll now support that. Okay? I'll join some protests. Those are the vile people. Okay? And it's Sunday. You remember the story of Christ. Christ's biggest enemies weren't the Romans. They were the Sadducees and the Pharisees. The not-so-obvious establishment. They all spoke the same words. Right? But there was a big difference. He went among the people. He went among everyone. They didn't. They sat in their thrones top-down. That's how the Kennedys are. That's how the Democratic Party is. And that's how the Republican establishment is. They're top-down. We're bottoms-up. And so we've got to win this Republican primary. We have to. We have no choice. And I want all of you to realize that we got to win this, okay? we got to win this. And you got to do it, like Jennifer said, for your kids and for this country. Because freedom is under attack in a very profound way. And Mr. Thorne is right. We have to be scared. But to have someone like me and you have you, we have still have smart people with common sense. Those idiots, the vulnerable, educated elites, 98 degrees weather, running up Rattle Street, wearing their stupid masks, these people are stupid. Okay? And they have, they're, they're really stupid. They're vulnerable elites. Okay? And you have to defy them. You have to challenge them. And these people, the way you attack these liberal elites is when they attack you as a racist, you must call them out as racist. Don't let them get away with that. Don't not let them get away. You say, you know what? You're the racist. You divide people. You divide us. You're the racist. Don't let them get away because the GOP establishment doesn't want you to use the word racism. No, you must use the word racism, but call them out as racist. Elizabeth Warren is a racist. We got to get our weaponry together, our political weaponry, okay? And this movement for truth, freedom, and health, as Jennifer said, is giving you political weaponry. So everyone in this room can fight, not just with weapons, you may have to, luckily there's a second amendment, but with armament of politics in the mind, okay? That's where we win. Call them racist. Right medicine for the right person at the right time. Build community, boost immunity. I've given you a lot of weapons. Use them now, okay? I've spent a lot of time figuring this out, but now it's time for us to win. We gotta win. September 1st, okay? Thank you very much again, Mr. Thorne. Thank you. Thank you. I know you guys, I, you have to, we have to support the small business people. They were very generous and kind to host, you know, three of us here. Um, but they've done, you know, they're very good people. And there's a lot of great people like this who are suffering because of these dumb, fear-mongering lockdowns. It's really unfortunate. We have to fight for all of us. No one's going to fight for us but us. And that's why you need one of us. Thank you. Mm -hmm.